You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Twenty-nine other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back, goal! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe, from the opener to launch angles to clutch moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. That's right. It is time for A's Cast Live. No studio like it in all of sports as we're live from the field here at the Oakland Coliseum. Getting you ready for a huge three-game set against two of the best teams in all of baseball. Two teams that absolutely mash. It's the 53-30 and 30 Minnesota Twins up against the Athletics who are 46-39. and 39. And there's one thing these two teams do, just like a lot of teams, but not so many teams do it as good as these two do. They hit the ball out of the ballpark. we got a great show for you. We're going to have the Bob Melvin Show coming your way at 4.30 right after batting practice. This is the great thing about where we are is that we're right at the dugout, at the end of the dugout on the third base side for the Oakland Athletics. So the minute your all-star, Matt Chapman, is going to be done with batting practice. He is going to join us here on A's Cast Live because he's been down in Anaheim, which was huge for him, finishing up that last day where the A's won their last three to take three of four from the Angels. And you think about being at home for him and think about the family and friends, and you have a huge day like that where you hit the home run, you hit a triple, you hit a double, you have six RBIs, and he now has – the third best war for all position players and all in Major League Baseball. That is why he is going to the All-Star game. And we're going to have him here, and that's one of the great things about us being right here is that we're able to have access to the players like no one's ever had before. So Matt Chapman is going to be here right after batting practice. Then Darren Bush the hitting coach for your Oakland A's. And I can't wait to talk to him about just the change that he has seen in in baseball. Baseball has changed. I don't have a problem with it. Old school people are having a problem with it. I'm not having a problem with it because all games evolve. All sports evolved. We were talking about this yesterday on A's Cast Live. I've never heard one person say they score too many touchdowns. They're just scoring way too many touchdowns. Scoring's up. We don't want to see touchdowns. We want to see more 17 to 14, some punt. No. How about the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets? We want to see three-pointers, shoot more threes, shoot more threes. It's entertainment, and that's what the A's and Major League Baseball, they're doing these days. Home runs are exciting. Fans, I've never seen fans not enjoy a home run. So we'll talk to Darren Bush. And then also the approach. As you get all this new information, when you start talking stuff like launch angles, and you have all this new information, how do you incorporate it, and how do you incorporate it for each individual hitter? 
Because let's face it, Matt Chapman's different from Matt Olson. Ramon Laureano is different from Chad Pender. So it's never, no swing is the same. No approach ever is the same. Every guy thinks different, feels different, and reacts different. So how do you implement this new technology with each individual guy? And that's why I can't wait to have Darren Bush on today. He's kind of a character. He's he's a lot of fun. And then we're going to have Captain Mike McCarron, who's going to be one of the military men going to be throwing out the first pitch tonight. And we're going to have a lot of fun with that. He's a retired captain of the U.S. Navy, and that is going to be at 540. So we're going to have Melvin at 430, Matt Chapman right after BP. We're going to have Darren Bush at 510, and then Captain Mike McCarron at 540. Like we said, this is kind of a this is kind of a series where everybody's kind of bow their chest a little bit and we're going to kind of see see what you got, see what we got. And the A's, great thing about the A's, they're just coming off a series like that. They're coming off a series where I remember on Friday night when they lost on Friday and all of a sudden you're like, "Hey, are they catching the Angels?" At a hot time, is this a bad time? Look out, as the Angels are having their, really the first time they're having their full squad. And then after that, the A's won three straight against the Angels. So they just, they just manned up in this stretch right here against the Angels. And the good thing about that, too, is when you look at the athletics and in that series where all of a sudden you had the Angels coming in red hot, you leave Anaheim with now the Angels – 42 and 43 and now they're doing that dance that everybody hates that you're down you're, you're below 500 then all of a sudden you get to 500 they get a little bit above it now they drop below it again and that's that fine line that you want to get away from and that's the great thing for the A's they had the day off and they enter today seven games over 500 that is big to, to start getting away, and we see this year after year when the A's are good. When June hits, they start getting hot. They take it through July, hit the all-star break, and then absolutely come out running, and we're hoping they're going to do that, no doubt about it. We have a lot of news and notes from around Major League Baseball to get to as after they played wiffle ball in London for two days, it looks like the Red Sox are going to have a new closer. The A's have used their international money, and they've signed a young short, another shortstop. And we're talking about big money signing the number two overall international prospect. So the A's are bringing in another big shortstop, just like Logan Davidson. That is very interesting. So we have all kinds. And then one of the things I forgot to get to yesterday, and I'm glad the guy won, there's a thing called the streak. As they're trying to beat Joe DiMaggio's tr- uh, streak, Gambling-wise, with current players down at the MGM Grand, I forgot to bring it up today. I will get into that today because it is one heck of a story. And then Commander Cody found a stat about the Milwaukee Brewers and their draft that's absolutely crazy. You better have all the guys. I didn't write it all down. Do you have all the guys? I do. When do you want it? Later on in the show. Yeah, I'll be ready. And then I also have a trivia question. This may this may be one of those questions that it's just too hard to give out. Because I do have, and maybe we want to, here's the bottom line. 
I got torn away from Cody, my producer, because I had to do the Bob Melvin show today, right? This is not, Bob is not live. We tape. So I didn't get to tell you this. We have not one, not two, not three, four tickets to give away for 4th of July. Oh, all right. Well, that's good to know. So I'm glad you have a trivia question ready. Then. So you got a couple. You got, you got uh, about an hour and a half to figure out how we're going to do it. All right. But I would start thinking about that right now. So you're going to get my tickets. Well, I got the one. I, I got a great trivia question. I just don't know how many people are going to get it. It's one of those where I don't want to give it out, no one gets it, and then no one gets the tickets. Was it kind of like that Mets one we gave up before, about the Mets being the worst team fielding ground balls? Remember that one we did where literally nobody got it until like the end of the show? Yes. Where we kind of give away, like, oh, they play in the NL East. They play in New York. And yes. Like, oh, the Mets. Yes. I do not want to go over that again. So find something because stick around. You'll be someone is going to win my four seats for Fourth of July. Because I saved. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they wanted the seats, but I said, you know what? I want to. I want to keep the seats open for one of our listeners because I think Fourth of July is a great time for baseball and for families and for kids and to bring out your family. And enjoy a little barbecue here at the Coliseum before the game. And then you come to the game and spend your 4th of July. You still got time to get out of here when the game's over around 3.30, 3.45. And wherever you're going to go watch fireworks, you still have that time. So I want to save my 4th of July seats for one of our great listeners. So we are going to give those away a little bit later. So you look at the A's and where they are right now from the standpoint of hitting the long ball. They've hit 133 home runs on the season. The Twins, they've hit 157. That is the most in all of Major League Baseball. I want you to think of this. They only hit 166 last year. They're going to eclipse this right after the All-Star break. 157, and it's not like they play in a bandbox. They play in a really big field in Target Field. And not only is it a big field, you got to think of the cold weather they had to deal with. I mean, when you're playing in the Central and right out of the gate, I haven't seen their overall schedule, but I'm sure there was some games in there where you're talking about the Chicago White Sox, you're talking about Kansas City, you're talking about some games where you're dealing with cold weather and your own ballpark It's freezing at the start of the year. And to think they got out of the gate the way they did with 157 home runs is truly, truly impressive. And we talked to Burt Blylevin, the Hall of Famer, yesterday right here on A's Cast Live. And he talked about the great additions of, you know, certain guys coming in like a Nelson Cruz and bringing in the veteran guys to go with already guys that they have, Marwin Gonzalez, who they brought in, I mean, guys that they brought in to really help stabilize a team that has a bunch of talent. And you look at the best way to build a franchise, a franchise to win. You're going to want to have, number one, when you build a franchise, the number one thing you got to have is you got to have guys in their prime. You have to have some of your players have to be prime time players in their prime. So that's number one. Number two, I think you need to have veterans. You need to have some veterans, the guys that can keep some of these hot shot, high testosterone guys in there. Because, you know, when we're talking prime, we're really talking like 
26, 27, 28. We used to like to say, well, guys at, you know, at 29, 30, 31. Now, people don't want those guys anymore as primetime guys. So you need the veteran guys because, number three, not only do they help guide your, your players in their prime, they also help rookies and young guys. Young guys play a major part in championship teams. You don't know which young guys it's going to be, but young guys bring youth, they bring enthusiasm, they bring hustle, and they bring it every single day. For example, like what we're going to see today, and you're going to hear from Bob Melvin coming up here at 4.30. Franklin Barreto's back. He got to play on Sunday where he went 0 for 4. It was a questionable error they called on him in the eighth inning. Could have been 1 for 4, but he was 0 for 4. But as you're going to hear in the Bob Melvin show, Franklin Barreto is going to get a shot, and he is going to play a lot. This is not going to be one of those deals where they've brought him up in the past and he hasn't played, hasn't got the opportunity, and then all of a sudden you're sending him back down. He is going to get an opportunity to play, and it's going to be fun to see because we've waited. We've waited for him to get that opportunity, and he's going to get it. And what does that mean for Jerks and Profar? Well, that means for Jurex and Profar, looks like he's going to get into a little more of a role of not being the everyday second baseman anymore, but he's going to get into a role of being a player who is going to move around a little bit just the way he did in Texas last year. At some point, the throwing issues have got to scare you a little bit. When you're, and when you're a team seven games over five hundred. You can't afford to lose a game because of a guy that's having issues. Now, he, it hasn't cost him a game, but I just wonder what they see, what they've seen so far and what they've seen by, by Barreto. Going back down, I'm not going to say sulked. I wasn't there. But when you go out and you have a good spring training, and it, and it truly is your time, right? I mean, this is, this is his time, and you get sent back down, I mean, obviously, you could see how there could be mentally some issues there where you're not happy. And you go back down to AAA and you go to Vegas when you felt you made this club. And he started out slow. But slowly but surely, he got hot and he worked his way back. And now he is going to get an opportunity to play a lot of second base. Here you go, Frankie. You wanted the opportunity. This is it. You go out and start swinging the bat. We're not going to be looking at whether the right it's a right-hander or a left-hander. It's not going to be a platoon situation. If, if Franklin Barreto can go out there and start swinging the bat consistently, we know he can do defensively, he will start getting an everyday opportunity. And what I kind of like about this is knowing that we have such – Small benches now, that versatility is the name of the game. Think about how versatile this bench is going to be for the A's if you start thinking about Chad Pender, Mark Canna, Jerickson Profar. You now, you now start having a bunch of players. Not a bunch. You have a short, short group, I should say. Let me retract that. You have a short group 
but you have a bunch of guys that can play everywhere. And that is huge for Bob Melvin and his bench. The A's have been swinging it. I have a number here for you that's going to really impress you on how the A's have been doing, not only at home, but also on the road. We'll have that for you. And then the Bob Melvin Show all coming up right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know, you can't see it, but it's just awesome, is the fact that the access, and I can't say it enough, I just went over to Liam Hendricks, and I told him about that, did a little math for him, and Liam Hendricks, in 23 of his last 24 relief appearances, take out the opener stuff because he's not a reliever when he's the opener, he's got a 0.31 ERA. And right now, he's got the best F war out of anybody in the American League. So I then said to him, to Liam Hendricks, I said, you know, don't be shocked if some things happen and you actually end up in Cleveland for the All-Star game. Where Liam just said to me, oh, that'd be great. That's where my wife's from. But I, I, I'm not going to be, because things happen from here and when the All-Star game takes place guys get hurt things happen things change I mean Liam Hendricks if he is an all-star there might be people out there in baseball that go what but when you actually look at the numbers I don't think anybody's really been better the numbers are absolutely crazy and no one's talking about it but if he keeps performing like he, he has, they're going to be talking about it. There's going to be no question. So the A's right now have outscored their opponents in their last 13 games, winning 10 of them. You ready for this? The A's have outscored their opponents 76-42. to 42. That is massive. And we're not talking about dogs with fleas here. And we talked about them going on this road trip. And this road trip wasn't going to be easy between St. Louis and also the Angels. And they finished 5-1 and one on this road trip. And I had this, you know, a while ago. When you look at the schedule, I was worried about this stretch. It's one of those stretches that is definitely a, a benchmark for the season. Because this is, you know, this is not going to be easy. You had Tampa for four at home. Two against St. Louis on the road, four against the Angels on the road, and then three against the Twins at home. That is a very rough stretch right before the All-Star break. So my whole thing was, what's their record going to be on, on July 5th? I'm now not as worried. Now, these are not going to be easy games against the Minnesota Twins, which tonight will be a 7:07. Tomorrow will be 6:07. Don't forget, tomorrow night is fireworks. That's going to be great. Free parking Tuesday tonight, but we got fireworks tomorrow night, and then we got a day game on uh, on getaway day on Thursday. But I feel a heck of a lot better now that there's seven games over 500 heading into this three-game set. And I think about what they've done on the road. 17, and we'll address this with Bob Melvin coming up here in just a second. 
They're 17-5 and five over their last 23 road games. Now think about that. Think about how bad they were at the beginning. They were terrible on the road. They were 5-15 and 15 to start out the season. Since then, they've gone 17-5 and five in the last 23 road games. So this has been one heck of a stretch for the Oakland Athletics. Do we have time to get into the international signing? Commander Cody, do you want to get into that here? Robert Passan. Robert Passan is the new shortstop that the Athletics have just signed for a boatload of money. It's been reported that he's going to get $5 million. I don't know if that's we'll, – we'll, we'll talk to David Forrest on Friday. And it goes back to the whole – it goes back to the whole shortstop thing that we've, we've talked about with the draft. Is that they look at the shortstop as the position that they can move these guys anywhere they want. Could he be a shortstop? Sure. But if not, you can move him to third. You can move him to the outfield. Chad Pender is a great example of that. And he, he's a decent size. I mean, he's, he's 16 years old. He's 6'3", 165 pounds. It's almost, I wonder what Logan Davidson was when he was in high school, the number one pick, the 29th pick out of Clemson, because he's also 6'3". Now, he's filled out, obviously, now as three years playing college ball at, at Clemson. But I wonder here, was Logan probably, I, I bet Logan was probably around that, probably about buck sixty, buck sixty-five, probably about 6'2". This guy is the second best prospect, internet ranked the second best international prospect. And you gotta you start looking around the system, the A's are just loaded at shortstop. They got Nick Allen, who they re- recently drafted out of San Diego. I've talked a lot about him because uh I've known his parents forever and went to school with his aunt. I mean, they've got a lot of different shortstops, which, you know, whether they're going to be guys that play in the system, whether they're going to be moved, or whether they're going to be guys that potentially could be moved. Dan Feinstein was on a conference call earlier today, assistant general manager, talking about the international signing. I mean, we've been scouting him for years, uh, to be honest. Um, But Major League Baseball has designed – the process so that the transition to professional baseball is fairly seamless. He's been able to train and work out at our academy for a few months. Um, So we've been able to get to know him uh, as well uh, off the field as we have on. Uh, He's a dynamic, athletic, wiry, strong, switch-hitting shortstop who plays with a tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm. Think about that. He's 16 years old. We have been scouting him for years. He has been on our radar for a long time. The international game is just completely different than what we see over here in the States. And the way you deal with the draft and the way you deal with uh, and the way you deal with, 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 with guys that you sign, it's just they're looking at these if he's looking at him for years, they've been looking at this guy since he was what 13, 14 years old. And it just seems like so much easier the way you're able to sign them versus what you do in the draft. 
Logan Davidson was a guy that the A's said had been on the radar for years and didn't happen out of high school. Obviously, he went to Clemson, and they had to wait, and Logan Davidson had to fall to him. You know, David Force and Eric Kubota were still pretty shocked that Logan Davidson was still there at number 29. Now, I'm not sure if really what happened in the Cape Cod League, which was such a small sample size where he wasn't great with a, with a wood bat, really changed the way people felt about him. But obviously, they felt like, oh, my God, this guy fell to us? This is incredible. So let's hear where are we right here. Okay. Supposedly uh, to Dan Feinstein, the assistant general manager, this guy, he's a thrill to watch play baseball. He is really fun to watch play shortstop. Um, like I said, he, he plays with such energy and emotion um, that it's it's fun to watch him pick up a ball. Um, he's got, uh, you know, advanced defensive capabilities now. So we, we would anticipate that he would be um, an above-average major league shortstop. He's 16 years old. 16. And looking at him already as, oh, he could be an above-average shortstop. Now, whenever you make these signings, it's always very, very positive, and the organization is positive, but plenty of guys plenty of guys have signed and gotten some really nice, a really nice chunk of change in international money, and uh, it didn't necessarily work out for him. But that is the gamble that is Major League Baseball. Versus all the other sports. I guess when you start looking at international signings, it would be more like the NBA because the NBA has had these, used to have these over the years where you didn't know if a Dirk Nowitzki was going to be that good. And what was Dirk going to be? And, oh, he almost went to Cal. And, you know, I mean, all that kind of, you don't know. But that is the gamble. Think about if you sign this guy and you sign him, let's say the number that's being floated out there at $5 million. But he, he ends up being like, I don't know, A-Rod. That $5 million is nothing. That's absolutely chump change. If you get a perennial all-star, because the thing about once, once he comes through the minor league system and once you get him here to the big leagues, he gets right, well, we'll see what happens with the CBA. The CBA could be changing dramatically. We'll wait and see. But as of right now, the deal is he'd be cheap for six years. Well, I'll go through arbitration, but you'll have him cheap for X amount of years. So the $5 million, if he turns out to be that legit, that will not be that big of a deal. But they have acquired a lot of shortstops lately. You know, could it, could it be year for a couple of years from now? Pasone is playing shortstop. Logan Davidson is, I don't know where he would play. You're going to have Matt Chapman at third base. But what you're doing in your organization right now is you're filling it with tall, athletic guys, which is great to see. Happy to see that for the A's, that you're flooding your organization with a bunch of really good athletes. Because it wasn't that long ago that was one of my looking at the, the faults of this franchise, was they didn't have a lot of athletic guys. They weren't very athletic. They are right now. They're very athletic. And Eric, give Eric Kubota and his staff a lot of credit. 
This is becoming a much better, they're getting better athletes. And this, you know, you get them through your system, and at some point you could have a bunch of just tremendous ball players here. That will be real exciting. All right, Franklin Barreto, Chris Herman. We got a lot of things to go over. Taking three or four from the Angels. The Bob Melvin Show is coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast, A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. So we just talked about Passan. Let me give you another guy. And this guy, Jason Dominguez. He's another 16-year-old who just signed. Is it official with him in the Yankees yet? It is official. So this guy supposedly is so good that they call him the Martian. How about that? He also got $5 million. So you got these kids coming out of the Dominican Republic. It is unbelievable. He's six foot. He's a switch hitter. They say he's got crazy power. He's super fast. An international scout said he's like Mickey Mantle. I mean, that's a little much, right? I mean, this kid, he's 16 years old, come out of the Dominican. But this is the thing. When you look at these kids and it's what's different, it's what's different about how baseball used to be. These kids play baseball every day, all day. How important is baseball to them? Well, this is how they get out of the Dominican and give themselves a chance to have a great career in baseball and the type of career that can take care of their families and take care of everybody in their family and the Dominican. These kids work really, really hard. And then you throw in what we have today in our game to where kids here in the United States, things have changed dramatically. The days of people playing football, basketball, baseball, those are over. These kids play baseball year-around. You want to know why there's so much young talent in Major League Baseball and why these kids come up and why these kids are ready to play? I can't remember. Cody, who are you talking to who talked about the showcases? and? Uh... Was that Eric Loggenhagen? No, it might have been David Force. Oh, yeah, because he brought up the area code games. I remember him talking about that. It was like two weeks ago. Yeah, so I asked David Force about all the young talent, and he said, you know, you have these kids who are playing at a high level. This doesn't like just kids playing in high school. You know, like I, I, I look back now for me, I wish I didn't play football and basketball and baseball. I wish I would have concentrated on one. Because these kids, what ends up happening is, is not only what you're doing from a standpoint when you're in school, but when you're going to these showcases, you end up playing against all these guys. And then all of a sudden, the best players get drafted, and it's not like you're wowed anymore. Why? Because, well, the guys that you played against in showcases, they got drafted too. So you're now seeing these guys in the minor leagues. So you see these guys in the minor leagues, and next thing you know, you show up to the big leagues, and here's guys you already know from the big leagues, I mean from the minor leagues, and guys that you saw in showcases. So they're more familiar with each other, and that was something that David Force brought up. I thought that was very interesting. 
is that you're not wide-eyed anymore. It's not like you're showing up here going, oh, my God, it's the big leagues. Oh, my God, my dream. I mean, you're, like, looking around, you're going, oh, yeah, Bryce Harper and uh, Chris Bryant played against each other in Vegas. They played on all-star teams together. These kids are playing more and more and more, and that's why they're coming up at 23, 24, 25, and they're coming up ready to go. College guys, if you've been legit enough, have pretty much always been that way. Dating back to like guys like Will Clark or whoever you want to think about back in the day coming up from college who, once they got drafted, they weren't going to spend much time in the minors. I think of Matt Chapman. You know, if you are a top guy coming out of college, they don't expect you to be in the minor leagues long. Now, you, you, if, you, if you played three years and you're a number one pick, you need to be here within a year, two years, if they're not messing with your clock. No, he, he'll have some time. All right, listen, so Chapman's going to be showing, Matt Chapman's going to be showing up here on A's Cast Live. Uh, before we get to Matt Chapman, let's get to the Bob Melvin Show. The Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. It's now time for the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Big fans of the green and gold. By the way, how's the wife liking the bed so far? Likes it a lot. Um... I'll get to actually sample it during the All-Star break for the first time, but uh, really enjoys it and uh, told me I have something to look forward to, so I definitely do. So when I think about these times, and this is going to run a lot during the All-Star break, there is this get to the All-Star break because it is such a grind. How big is it to, when you get to the All-Star break to really unplug and recharge your batteries? It's really the only time. You know, during the season, every now and then you get a day off, but... A lot of times on the day off during the season, you're grinding on the next series and thinking about that. You actually do get, and I'm glad it's gone to a four-day break from a three-day break where guys actually don't have to, you know, travel after two days. They can sit at home for at least three days. So I think everybody appreciates it. Um, don't think a whole lot about baseball. Try to unwind a little bit and recharge and, and know during the, second ba- during the second half it gets even dicier. You know, I think about Matt Chapman and how excited you were to tell the group that that he was the all-star and and what he means at such a young age, what he means to this franchise and in that clubhouse. What was that like walking in and and announcing to the guys he was the all-star? It was great. I mean, that's that's a great day for me always. There's always some guys that you have to tell they didn't make the team, too, that you think were. And that's difficult. But letting a guy know an all-star, especially if you're a younger guy, especially for the first time he's made it. Uh, it's pretty cool. And, you know, you know him. He's he's all baseball. It's just his life and everything he does revolves around baseball. You worry a little bit, certainly the, the pace that he plays, that, you know, he doesn't get a break, but uh, he will get a day and he will really enjoy himself there. So uh, we're all excited for him. And the team, as you could tell, was, was really excited. And I think about how all of a sudden you guys have become the road warriors. You're winning a lot of road games after the beginning of the year. You really struggled on the road. What has really changed for you away from the Coliseum? Nothing. We just got off to a bad start on the road. We just weren't playing as well, and we're playing a lot better baseball now, and we're doing it with some adversity. You know, we lose Blake, we lose Frankie, we just lost Stephen Piscotti. So uh, similar to last year when, when somebody went down, somebody else got an opportunity and and the guy's focus is on one particular game to go out there and try to win that game. So we're just playing better right now, and these guys even last year enjoyed playing on the road. So that, that in my mind, was never really a factor. So what is going to happen with Stephen Piscotti? Well, it's not a tear, which is which is good. So, you know, the timetable is is depends on the individual. I can't imagine it's not a month 
or close to a month, something along those timelines. But as we get a couple weeks into this, we'll see how he's responding and so forth. Uh, but I think we caught a break because if you looked at the slide and you looked at his reaction, I know when I was standing out there, I felt like the season was over with, but uh, that's not going to be the case. You know, when you take three or four from Anaheim down in Anaheim, they came in hot. They beat you the first game. You're thinking, oh, you're catching these guys at the wrong time. And then by the end of the trip, you've knocked them back under to f back under 500. That, that, that's big because you're not going to see them again until September. It was. And, you know, we came off of two good games in St. Louis. We get into Anaheim. Upton's just activated. Simmons was activated that game. And now you look at their lineup one through nine, and it's pretty extreme. And then they got off to us the first night. And I think the most impressive thing is how we responded to that. You know, spotted them a game and then kind of boat raced them a little bit the next three and and kind of showed them what our offense was all about, too. So um, I, th I think that there was an impression that they took from us, you know, once we left and the fact that they felt like they were going to have a good series and we turned it about them, you know, pretty quickly. Um, so it ended up being a great road trip for us. And we know there's six games left. We're playing a really hot team right now in the Twins. And then we go to Seattle and then we get a little bit of a break. One guy we don't talk enough about, and he really has been big for you this year because of just the health issues this season with Chris Davis, is Mark Canna. He has stepped in, and he's been big for you at the DH. Talk about how he stepped into some big shoes, and he's been filling them. He has, and, you know, when Katie was out with the side, we plugged him right into that DH spot, into Chris's spot in the lineup, and, you know, all he did was respond. I think he had five homers in a week, and... You know, the one thing is it's constant. If Mark Canna gets consistent at bats, he's going to be productive. And you look at his numbers, you look at his average, really is indicative of who he is. His OPS is close to 900, a right hat a little over 900. And he hits homers, he gets on base, he's versatile in what he can do. It's very difficult to DH, and, and he's able to do that. He's able to play all three outfield spots in first base. Uh, he re literally is the Band-Aid for us and a very productive one. So anytime we have a chance to get him in the lineup, we feel feel good about his production. We know it was tough to send Franklin Barreto down after the great spring that he had. And like any young player, when he feels like he's earned the right to be on the big club, but he's sent back down again, you struggle a little bit, but he regained it and he's back. What do you expect from him this time around? Well, you know, he's going to get plenty of at-bats here, and I think this will probably be the first consistent opportunity for him. You know, Profar is not going to play as much. We might move him around a little bit more, and he will, you know, get a game this series too. But this is going to be a good opportunity for Frankie. And, you know, offensively, there are a lot of things he can do. You know, he's got some speed. He's got some power. He's got some off-field power. He's a really exciting player. You want to get him up here when he's swinging the bat well. He was swinging the bat well in AAA. Now, we face some pretty tough pitching here this series too, so he's got his work cut out for him. But when he gets on a roll, um, He's not just a guy that you like to see up there. He's a guy that can do some serious damage, as you saw, saw all spring training long. So, um, like I said, this is the first real opportunity for him. We're pulling really hard for him. Versatility is now the name of the game. And you just mentioned Profar moving around. That's what he did for Texas last year. You mentioned Canna. I know how much you like Chad Pender. This is really going to give you some options on the bench. T talk about how you can really utilize that when you're not going to have a deep bench. Yeah, and you look at our, you know, you, we were three deep in the bench and one's a catcher. So, um, you know, with Herman here, too, we can use Fagley against left-handed pitching. And, um, you know, versatility really plays, as you've seen this year, basically for a lot of teams. So, 
you know, whether it's it's that one big move during the course of a game where we need a, a leveraged at bat and we feel like we there's a pitcher up there that's a good matchup for our bench guys, they're all ready for that. They've played in our organization for a while as far as Canna and and uh, uh, Chad Pinder and, and certainly Profar has been in the American League West too. So there's some experience uh, amongst our guys and they know how we play here and they're ready for every opportunity they possibly can be ready for. Chris Herman is back. How's this dynamic going to work with the catchers? Well, we just can't run from Josh Fagley. I mean, Josh has done a great job for us this year, and he's and he's done well against right-handed pitching too. Uh, the pitching staff really likes throwing to him. He's got a cannon for an arm. Defensively, he does a great job for us too, and this is his best offensive year ever. So um, it, it's probably going to be a little bit of a split. Uh, Herman's going to catch tonight. Fagley will catch tomorrow. I know we got three lefties coming up in Seattle, and, and Fags will get all three of those. Uh, like I said, you know, Herman, we signed for a reason. This is the first time we're going to see him during the regular season this year. But based on the results that Josh Fagley has to this point, uh, it's not just going to be a one-man show. We're going to be able to use both these guys and hopefully effectively. So I figured this out. Liam Hendricks, in 23 of his last 24 relief appearances, you have to take out the opener stuff because he was the starter then. In 23 of his last 24 appearances, he's given up one and run. That's an ERA of 0 0.31. June 25th last year, he was DFA. To hear the entire Bob Melvin show, you go to A's cast, and you can hear all of Bob Melvin. Of course, Bob Melvin show brought to you by nestbedding.com. Well, now joining us here on A's cast live with Chris Townsend is the all-star. How are you doing? I got to think this was uh, this has been a – these past couple days have been pretty special. Yeah, it was good until I took batting practice. Now I'm pissed. <laughs> so it lasted like, you know, 24 hours. Well, hell, I mean, after the game that you had on Sunday, I mean, that was a that was a pretty good – because you knew about the All-Star game before the game. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So that, that was uh, – it was nice, but, I mean, it didn't, didn't take any pressure off me. I think it was just good luck because uh, I was 0 for 2 to start that game, and I was like, oh, man, here we go. But – Dug myself out of that one. We got a win and got out of there, so it was nice. Matt Chapman with us here on A's Cast Live. And, and I think about not only you hearing about you making your first All-Star team, but doing it back home where I'm sure you had family and friends in the stands. That had to be really special. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it's, I mean, definitely a dream come true. And to be able to, uh, you know, do that and see my dad and stuff, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, because with the parents and everything, you know, they took you to all those games. They were a part of it. Then all the way through high school, then at Cal State Fullerton. You know, talk about what it means to your parents, the fact that you're going to be in the All-Star game, and they were a big part of your career. Yeah, I think it's just a dream come true for all of us. And, uh, you know, my mom keeps telling me I'm living out my dad's dream. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, it's a special time. What do you think it's going to be like heading, heading to Cleveland? It's going to be a lot of fun. Um you know, I uh, wanted to do the home run derby, but I don't think they got a spot for me. But uh, I can't, I'm just excited to be there and be around all the great players in the game and just try and learn and just have fun. I'm glad you say that because so many guys shy away from home run derby. I'm thinking national spotlight. Why would you not want to be a part of Winner that? Winner gets a million dollars. So, I mean, why, what do I have to lose? <laughs> hey, that could end up being an easy million dollars to make. That's what I thought. Yeah, I would love to see in it. I mean, and we were talking over the weekend going, love to see Chris Davis in it. Would like to see Shohei Otani in the home run derby. Yeah, that guy's got some juice. When you look at him as a player, 
And I'm thinking, okay, we saw how filthy he was as a pitcher last year. He's got number one stuff. And now to think what he's doing offensively, I mean, we really haven't seen anything like that since, since Babe Ruth. Do you marvel at that, that he's got two-way talent like that? Um, I mean, yeah, that is pretty pretty amazing that he's able to do that at the highest level. That means you're a pretty, pretty damn good athlete. Um, but, you know, I think he's doing it, you know, in a time that it's almost impossible to do things like that, you know, throw that hard and hit homers and play. You know, today's game is as good as any, you know, era of baseball. So for him to be able to do that is, I mean, one of the more talented players of all time. Yeah, and Bob Melvin has told me that uh, you've said to him, you think you could go out there and pitch. Yeah, but I would need Tommy John after that first <laughs> outing probably. So I could go pitch an inning and then miss a year. <laughs> they always talk about how your first All-Star game is when you walk in and you, obviously, being a star, are with all these other stars. Have you thought about that when you walk in and it's all those guys in the American League that you compete against? Uh, on a basis it's the best of the best yeah i mean i'm i couldn't be more excited i'm just extremely grateful to you know represent our team and uh you know i'm unfortunately i'm the only guy on our team going but i'm gonna you know do my best to represent us well i'm not gonna be shocked because we know guys end up bowing out injuries and stuff happen i'm not gonna be shocked if you're going with somebody else that would be awesome that would be amazing so i mean fingers crossed and I think about the guy that plays left of you. What does it mean, Marcus Simeon, to watch a guy lead by example, play every single day, works as hard as anybody, and the year he's having, putting offense, defense, and putting it all together? Yeah, I mean, it's been fun to watch, you know, being with him for the last, you know, two and a half years, seeing all the work he puts in every single day, no matter whether he's feeling good, feeling bad, he's sick, he's got a lot of energy. He puts the work in no matter what. You know, he doesn't complain uh, ever, never wants to miss a game. Uh, you know, there's not many guys like him. Um, I've never really played with anybody like him. And just it's pretty cool to see, you know, how he's transformed himself into just becoming a great player. And, you know, he's, he's just getting better and better. And I think he's going to continue to get better. The other gold glover is red hot right now. And, yeah. I, and I think about. If he didn't get hurt, you know, he would be right there too. He, he could be leading the league in, in dingers right now if he didn't For break real. the handmate. And For I think real. he'd be going with you. And, well, and it's just talk about what he means, not only from a standpoint of offense, but how good he is at defense. You guys know that you can try and do anything you can, and he can pick you up by picking it because nobody's better than him. Yeah, he's the best first baseman I've ever seen. Um, and to have that big of a target with that good of hands, I mean, it just goes to show uh, why our whole infield was nominated last year for gold gloves because – he, you know, saves our asses a uh, number of times. So there's a lot of guys who love to play the game, and they love the things that come with the game because obviously being a professional athlete, you, you, you get a lot of perks, right? There's a lot of money. There's a lot of good things. But not everybody just truly wants to win. And I think the one thing I've learned about you and kind of like when I filled in for Vince Catronio and I see you guys coming off the field after – you're all about winning. Now, no matter what you do on a daily basis in the game, whether you go 4 for 4 or 0 for 4, in the end, you truly care about the W. Talk about that mindset that you bring every day. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's just one of those things you either have or you don't. It was never really – I mean, I guess you could say it was taught to me, but I, I think you see that you either have it inside of you or you don't. And that's just kind of how I've always been ever since I was a little kid. I just wanted to win at everything I did, and I was competitive. Um, but it, it is all about winning. I mean, that's why you're here in the big leagues to win championships and go to the playoffs and win. You know, in college I won. In high school we were always winning. So, 
even when I was younger, all the teams, you know, we were taught to win. And it was about the team, not about yourself. So for me, being a good teammate and being part of the team is doing whatever you can to help the team win. And that's all, you know, that's all I've ever known. So for me, it's it's easy. I just work hard and try to win ball games, And I feel like that's how you earn the respect of people around you and your teammates by just going out there and playing to win. It's not all about you. And I think about where your team is right now, kind of reminiscent of last year, where you got out to a start you probably weren't thrilled with. You battled with getting to 500. Now it's great taking three out of four from Anaheim. And you're in a situation where you're seven games over 500. And it's now time to put the pedal to the metal and really kick this in like last year. Do you guys got that feeling like you had last year? Yeah. Um, it's hard to, like, put it into words exactly um, because you don't want to, like, be like, okay, now's the time to go. And if, you know, we don't have a good series or don't do this or that, you don't want to, like, be like, oh, we can't do it now. But I think that we're going in the right direction. We're playing the good brand of baseball. And when you're playing like that, you're not really thinking about it. You know, you, you're just playing to win. You're having fun. And then good things happen. So I think for us it feels a lot like that where we're confident and we're not, you know, putting too much pressure on anything. We're having fun. Uh, we're going out there expecting to win, not hoping to win. And good things happen. You know, I had this. You guys have outscored your opponents 76-42 to 42 in the last 13 games. And you still really haven't gotten KD really going yet. Mm -hmm. How scary is that for opponents? Uh, it should be scary, you know, because that guy, you know, is our best. He's our best hitter. He's the most important hitter in our lineup. And when he goes, we go. I mean, he's dug us out of so many holes and so many comeback wins and big homers. Um, you know, I can't wait for that guy to get healthy and get hot because he can he can carry a team by himself and he can change a game with one swing of a bat. So, I mean. We're able, you know, we're keeping it afloat right now, but when KD comes back, it's going to be really nice. And how about what you say about Mark Canna, who's done a terrific job filling in for him when KD has been out? Yeah, that's what people don't realize. You know, we got a really deep team. You know, our guys that come off the bench are huge. Look at Chad Pender, look at Mark Canna. I mean, those guys, in my opinion, could even be all-stars for, you know, coming off the bench and doing what they do and being able to hit all those homers with that little of at-bats and playing time. I mean, Mark's numbers are dumb right now. Like, he's going off, so... Uh, it's nice to have guys like that because, you know, if one guy goes down, we're always there to pick each other up, and guys always step up on our team, so that's nice. As a guy who's becoming a leader of this franchise in this clubhouse, you got a kid out there, Franklin Barreto, who thought he should have made the club out of spring, went down to AAA, struggled a little bit, got it back. He's now back, and Bob Melvin just told us on the Bob Melvin Show he's going to get a true opportunity to play on a regular basis. How can someone like yourself help Franklin get it going here at second base yeah I mean I've I've played with Franklin going you know three years on in the minor leagues and I know what he's capable of and I know how good he is because he is good and I know it's always hard to adjust at the major league level I mean it took me a while to get going too after my first 100 at bats I was hitting 190 or something like that uh, so it's hard to adjust to this level especially when you're not playing all the time so I really hope he does get an opportunity um, and for us as teammates, it's just about trying to give him as much information as we can to have success and then try and just keep him on the same page as all of us and just whatever we can do to help him feel more comfortable and kind of get, you know, settled into the big leagues and give him a chance to have success because I've seen what that bat can do and that can only help us. You know, Liam Hendricks was walking by earlier today and I said to Liam, I said, hey, uh, 23 of your last 24 appearances, you've only given up one run. That's a 0.31 ERA in his last 24 relief appearances. Talk about how he has really stepped up for you guys in the back of the bullpen. Yeah, uh, just, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier with, uh, you know, whether it's 
you know, trying and going down or, you know, maybe some guys having a little bit of struggles early in the season, which, you know, it's still a lot of season left, a lot of time for guys to turn it around. Um, but Liam has been there to pick us up. Uh, we've had a little bullpen struggle, sure, but uh, Liam picked us up and he came in and did a really good job. Um, and it's been huge, you know, he's he deserves to be an all-star and the things he's been doing are great. And I just can't wait till the rest of our guys get healthy and, you know, there's a lot of season left, and just to have an arm like that and then have our other guys coming back around, we're going to be really good. Well, we really appreciate the time. We love when you come over here on Ace Cast Live. Congratulations on your first All-Star appearance. We're all going to love watching it there in Cleveland. And uh, if you, you're not in home run derby, so just hit a home run during the game. How about that? Matt Chavin, thank you very much, man. We really appreciate Thanks it. For having the me. third baseman for your Oakland Athletics right here on A's Cast Live, going to Cleveland for his very first all-star game how about that too i like that i want to be in the home run derby you know so many guys act like they don't want to be in the game it seems kind of ridiculous like he said it could be a million bucks you could you could win a million dollars i i think you why wouldn't you want to be in the game why wouldn't you you think hey, give me an opportunity to go there i mean on the biggest stage Really cool stuff. Darren Bush, the hitting coach, is going to join us coming up here in just a little bit. Coaching in Major League Baseball now as a pitching coach, as a hitting coach, how it has just changed with all the information, and how do you take all that information and give it to the players, and which players can really absorb it all, which players can't. Some guys, you know, we've had Coco on here. Coco was a terrific athletic where Coco just said, see ball, hit ball. It's different for everybody. It's, who was the guy that we had? Oh, Rick Dempsey, the old uh, Orioles catcher, said, when you're a catcher and you got 13 pitchers down there, it's like having 13 wives. you got to take care of all of them. Well, as a hitting coach, it's the same thing. We will talk to him coming up here in just a little bit. Having a lot of fun here at the Coliseum, Ricky Henderson Field. It's the best set in all of baseball. It's A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One line and miss, and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Hey, uh, when are we going to get some summer heat? I mean, it's really breezy today. I mean, where, 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 when's it going to heat up? I'm ready for some serious summer going on. I mean, I, I, like, I, I like it when it gets high 80s, low 90s. Pool weather? You kidding me? It's July. Let's go. I'm looking at people in sweatshirts and the sun at because when the sun goes down tonight, ooh, it's gonna be a little chilly. Gonna be a little chilly. You know the thing that I like about this show right now and how Major League Baseball is going is that for the first time in my career, we can talk gambling and no one's gonna flip out. Cause oh my God, don't talk gambling. Don't Major League Baseball, don't talk gambling. Now Major League Baseball is getting so into gambling, it's unbelievable. How about this? 
And I apologize for getting about this, and we're going to talk about this until Darren Bush comes up. As the A's, once the A's are finished with BP, the A's hitting coach will show up. And it's great just how things have changed in Darren Bush's career. (laughs) And all these guys, Scott Emerson. Scott Emerson came over earlier today here to to our set here on A's Cast Live because he's got me researching the bats because he thinks not only is the ball an issue, he also thinks – it's also the bats. The bats are harder than ever before. So we will uh, we will we will get into that with Darren Bush, and Scott Emerson wants to continue us looking into that. But down at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, by the way, MGM Grand, the sponsor of the Tokyo series earlier this year, Chris Walsh is now nine games shy of Joe DiMaggio's hit streak. It's a $5.6 million beat-the-streak bet. He's a 35-year-old electrician who resides in Alberta, Calgary. So basically, you got to get you pick a guy every day, and he's got to get a hit. Well, on Sunday, Chris Walsh picked Mike Trout, and I'm looking at the Bible here. When did Trout got a hit? Like the center field, I think. Yeah, Trout got a hit to center, a line drive into center in the sixth inning. That extended the streak. So, extended the streak to 46 games. Then, yesterday, we had to look it up. Who did he have yesterday? Well, yesterday, it was Christian Yelich got the base hit, and it extended his streak to 47 straight. So the whole deal is you got to break Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak and you're going to you're going to claim the grand prize of 5.6 million dollars. Now Walsh is a Blue Jays fan. Said he's been playing beat the streak MLB.com's flagship fantasy game for 4 years. His previous high mark is 18 games. Now, can you imagine where he is right now at 47 games? Can you imagine the pressure? We're talking $5.6 million. The pressure on four to five at-bats every single day now in his life. He's probably been gripping this thing since, think about he's gripping it. Think about if a player was actually doing it. But think how he's gripping it at like in the 30s, and now has an opportunity. We need to find out. Cody, can you see who he picked today? Find out who he picked today. So they show you who who he picks every single day. So obviously he's going with some pretty darn good hitters. If you're going with Mike Trout and you're going with Christian Yelich. He's now at 47 games. We'll see what he what he's got for tonight. As we are now going to follow it, you don't know. Uh, so we'll 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 have it. We're we're, we're now going to follow this streak. So it's at forty-seven. He's got to get to fifty-seven. Beat the streak. I love the idea. 
So you can pick. You can pick any player you want day in and day out. Going into today, going into yesterday, he had picked 22 different players overall, and his selections in that time to beat the streak were 68 for 189. So the guy, the 22 different guys that he picked, were hitting 360. This guy's on fire. I don't know what Yelich did yet. Yelich hit the home run down the left field line. I know that, which that was the total ball home run. Which, you know who's going to be at the ballpark today? Dr. Meredith Wills will be at the ballpark today. She is the astrophysicist that we got tickets for. If you Hopefully you heard the interview here on A's Cast Live. If you didn't, we will be having her on A's Cast. We're going to be replaying it. And we are going to uh, meet her today for the first time. She is the one that put the uh, put the great article on The Athletic, and we're going to meet her for the first time. And she is now, she's really becoming MLB famous. She uh, texted me. She said she's here, so we'll wait and see if she walks on to meet up with us. So we'll see. I mean, she's been on it. She's been on everybody's show. As we're having, the only problem that can happen when you're doing this show is when people just start coming up to everybody and start talking to people. It's a little bit distracting. It's not your traditional. It's not your uh, who? Oh, okay. So the twins guy just came over because we were talking about getting some potentially some Minnesota twins. Yeah, you just never know. Like people like just because we have fans on the field and fans will just come talk to you. So it's tough at times not to get distracted because people will just start coming over and talking to you. I love the idea about this beat the streak. And the minute they're cool with it in baseball and Major League Baseball circles, which I think they probably already are, I'm going to tell you, I'm in. I'd love to try it. His last longest, as I said, was only 18 games. He's now at 47. We'll see who he picks here at 48. All right, Darren Bush is going to join us in a moment as we're going to talk to the A's hitting coach about a lot of different things that he's seeing in the game. And information, we have so much information. It's crazy amount of info that players have. But not every player can absorb it. Not every player can apply it. And I'm not even talking about all the video. Like, for instance, today, I'm walking down the hallway, and I'm going to Bob Melvin's office to record the Bob Melvin show. And I can look into the video room, and there was Daniel Mingdon, and Daniel Mingdon was breaking down film. Great to see, working on your craft. But as we talk about that, it's good for some, but not all good for all. Some guys, you want them just to go up, and it's, it's a natural reaction. See ball, hit ball. King Griffey, Jr. King Griffey Jr. didn't watch video. So the Twins have just stopped by. What did the Twins have to say? Uh, don't look like we're going to get anyone today. They tried. Um, apparently, Baldelli doesn't really uh, do a lot of media stuff besides, like, his pregame stuff like Bob does, where we, you know, we have the thing with the Bob Melvin show, but... Um, Tell them we'll do the Rocco Baldelli show. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be able to get anything today. I mean, they we could have – possibly we could have had Andrianz on, the former Giant, because he played here in the Bay, but uh, I don't think we're going to get him today. So I, I did try to get Jason Castro because he played at Stanford. 
Yeah. He's having a nice year along with Mitch Garver, their other Jason catcher. Castro from Castro Valley. Alex Jensen from, from Alex Jensen All Night played with him. Coming up next, we're going to talk to the hitting coach for your Oakland Athletics, Darren Bush, right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, our next guest has done everything in this organization, and he's doing a stellar job as the hitting coach for your Oakland Athletics. Darren Bush is with us here, A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. And we got a we got a good series here going on between two very powerful teams. How are you? You're right. We got a good one. I mean, we got Minnesota on the other side playing great ball. They got a good staff. They can swing the bats. So it's going to be an interesting series. You know, I got all kinds of numbers about how many runs you guys have scored recently, and it's been uh, a lot of runs and bunches. And that you know, the last 13 games you've outscored your opponents 76 to 42. A lot of long balls and a lot of long balls all in baseball. What do you think it, it has been for your team to right now you're really starting to click? Well, I mean, you know, in spring everybody was looking good. Everybody was swinging the bat you want the way you want them to. But it takes, it takes time. I mean, you get guys coming in. You're facing guys for the first time again for the year. It takes time for guys to get comfortable. It takes time for them to get back into the swing of things. But from the beginning of the season, you know, I'd say we had about a two-week stretch in there where, we were not putting together good at bats. And other than that two weeks, I've been real happy with the way we've swung the bats. Our bats are competitive, and it's starting to pay off. When you have a guy that's struggling, what do you do? Because basically you're a teacher, and you every single guy is different. Every single guy, you know, how you need to deal with each guy is different. What is that like for you having to control all these different guys when a guy's not going good? What's the key for you as a hitting coach? Well, you just said it right there. Everybody's different. Everybody learns different. Everybody thinks different. And you have to approach each person as an individual and understand that one blanket statement isn't going to work for everyone. And you have to find a way to communicate what you want them to do and the things that they need to do in a different way for every single guy. So when somebody's scuffling or they're struggling a little bit, you have to be very consistent with the message that you're delivering to them. And we are that way. We are very consistent in the things we talk about, the things that we want to achieve. Now we have to present it 12 different ways. You know, you have every guy that's different. We have to present it to each guy individually the way that they need to hear it. Because everybody's swing is different, everybody's mind is different, and, you know, we recently had Rick Dempsey on the old catcher, and he was talking about, you know, you got 13 pitchers down there, and as a catcher, it's like having 13 wives. You got to – but the thing is, it's like people don't think about that. They just think you're the hitting coach, and you say see ball, hit ball, and there's so much more to it. There really is. I mean, you have to have each guy prepared every single day. Each guy is going to get pitched differently. Each guy has to approach their bat differently. Now we have a blanket statement that we talk about, about grinding out at bats, seeing pitches, making sure we're staying in the strike zone. But for each guy, that's different. They have to approach the zone a certain way. They have to approach how they're facing a guy a certain way. So we have a plan, we have an approach, but each guy individually has their own idea of what they need to do. In your time in baseball, all of our times, the game has changed so dramatically. And with, with everything that is here for players, the information, the video, and everything. How do you help players work through that? What's good? Because not 
not everything's good for the same guy. No, not at all. You have guys in there that don't want it, don't want any of the things that another guy may want. You know, you have to know which guy that you can be talking to him about about pitch selection, about what this guy's pitch is going to do. Is a guy tipping pitches? You have to know which guy to talk to about that. And then the other guy, you have to tell him, look for the baseball here and then hit it. So it is very, you have to be very careful with how you present it, what you talk to them about. But you're right, there is a ton of information. We have information on guys that dates back three, four, five years, reports on guys that go back for a long time. And we know what a guy is gonna do, but until you get in that box, he may change something today. And until you get in the box and watch the pitch and see the action of the pitch, really the information that you got up until that point it may change, so you have to change your approach on the spot, and that's what these guys are really good at doing. Talk about how you have to learn it, because then you have to give it to the players. So it's like all this new information, you got to study up on it. No doubt about it. I mean, we spend, you know, you go into a series, a three- or four-game series, you have, you have for sure 12, 12 pitchers that you have to watch, and you have to know exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, and then you have to adjust on the fly also. And we spend hours watching video. Uh, you know, Aldo and I will spend, you know, you have 12 pitchers. You're watching at least four to five hours worth of video before each series. And then at least an hour worth of video on a daily basis on top of that to make sure that you know what these guys have, what they're going to do, what their tendencies are. Because when we're standing on that wall over there, when a new guy comes into the game, you have 30 seconds. You have 30 seconds to explain to these guys, look, this is what he does. This is what he wants to do. This is how we need to approach him. Look for a pitch here. Look for it to start here and stay on this pitch. And you have 30 seconds to do that, and you need to be accurate. You need to be right. Every once in a while, you're going to be off, but you need to know that this is what's going to happen, and you need to be prepared for this. I think one of the big changes, too, is just the amount of velocity that you're seeing that you never saw before. I mean, if a guy threw 96, 97, my God, he was just bringing cheese back in the day. Now it just seems like you know, everybody coming out of the bullpen is throwing that hard. When did you really start to realize, oh, my God, everybody is the velocity is up really for everybody? Just over the last couple of years. I mean, it's starting to that way where – when a guy comes into the game, you can expect he's going to be 95 to 98. Um, now you have to find out which guys have the off-speed pitches to go with it. Um, but guys now, they're so used to seeing 95, 96 miles an hour that 92 just seems like a run of the mill. And, you know, they get used to it. Anybody can hit a fastball. They get used to it. It's timing it up. It's deliveries. You know, when you have deception and delivery, that 98 it plays up and then you get a guy that's thrown 92 and he has deception in his delivery that 92 plays up so they found ways to get the perceived velocity to where if he's throwing 92 it may look 94 95 so and then other guys you face throwing 98 miles an hour it looks like they're throwing batting practice and so these guys have adjusted they understand how to adjust when a guy's delivery has deception and they figure it out on awfully quick and I, and I think about the baseball, and Dr. Meredith Wills is actually here today. She's the astrophysicist. She's right there, actually, who wrote the uh, big article on the athletic. And even the commissioner of baseball over in London admitted that the baseball's a little bit different. 
There's less drag on it. What have you seen this year from a standpoint of the ball flying out of the ballpark? Well, I mean, luckily, we've seen the ball fly out of the ballpark quite a bit over the last couple of years. You know, we've got guys that are big and strong for us that can drive the baseball. But you do see some swings at times where you wonder how the ball went like that. You know, you see guys out in front, you see guys late, you see them get jammed and the ball takes off. But, you know, I just look at it as, hey, we're trying to hit the baseball hard. Where it goes after that, you know, that's where it goes. But our guys focus on just trying to hit it hard. You know, I don't really pay too much attention to what the baseball is and how it's flying because that's the ball we're using. We have to figure out how to hit it. Yeah, bottom line, yeah. they're using it. <laughs> I mean, both teams are using it. Launch angle. And all these, because back in the day, everybody hit the ball back up the box, hit the ball up the middle, and, and now you really can't do that because now there's a defender back up the middle. Now everything's about getting the ball in the air, keeping the ball off the ground. With your instruction when you're helping this guys, how do you teach that? How do you change a guy's swing to be having the ball more in the air than ever before? Well, see, I, I think that we do the same things now that we were doing when, when I was playing. You don't want the ball on the ground. You want to drive the baseball. I think a lot of emphasis has become on the fact that, hey, the ball, when you hit the ball in the air, it's better. And yes, it is. You want the ball on the line, you want the ball in the air. But the things that we talk about, you know, I think of launch angle as a byproduct. It's just a byproduct of what we're trying to do. And the things that we talk about are approaching the strike zone the correct way, coming into our swing the correct way. And if we do those things, the ball's going to go in the air. And it's just a byproduct of doing everything correctly. And, you know, changing a swing to create launch angle is a very slippery slope. It's something that can be very dangerous. It leads to a lot of swing and misses and a lot of strikeouts. So you take a person's swing and then you implement things to help them to use their swing to get the ball in the air. You know, a big part of that is using your lower half the correct way getting into your legs to get your bat on plane, to get the ball in the air. And, you know, every, like you said before, everybody's swing is different. And you try to teach one swing that gets the ball to go in the air, it leads to a lot of problems. I have a lot of callers who call me in the postgame show with the shifts. Why not just hit a ground ball to short? Why not hit a ground ball to second? Like it's that easy. <laughs> when you see the shifts, what do you think for your hitters? When you know, well, if you just hit a ground ball there and there's a runner on second, that's going to be a base hit and the runner's going to score. Shifting has changed the game. It has. It really has. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about often and we see our guys do it quite a bit is hitting the ball low, hard the other way. And these guys work on it a lot. But when you think that way, you're executing a good swing. And... When you put a good swing on the baseball, it goes in the air. So as much as they're thinking about hit the ball, hit a ground ball to the second baseman or hit a ground ball to the shortstop, they take that swing and it ends up being a line drive to the left fielder or a line drive to the right fielder. But they're approaching it thinking, I'm going to hit the ball on the ground the other way. And the next thing you know, it's a line drive. You know, it's a, the, the mindset of hitting the ball low, hard the other way or beating the shift can really lead to a really good swing and you know our guys work on it daily one of our rounds that we take is hit the ball low hard the other way and you know you get in the box and you're facing a guy throwing 98 miles an hour like we were talking about and you just think okay i'm just gonna hit a ground ball the other way and then he throws a 98 mile an hour fastball inside at your hands that's not too easy to do 
You know, it's not too easy just to manipulate the ball and manipulate the bat to be able to push the ball the other way. You actually have to get the pitch to do it. And if they don't give it to you, if you can, can, can continue to try to do it, you're not going to do it. What is the one thing that is truly so satisfying for you that something happens and for you as a hitting coach just go, ah, that's what it's all about? <laughs> well, the thing that I love and is what we just talked about is when our guys take the proper approach and they're facing a pitcher that we know is he, he is going to do this and we have the approach and then we execute the approach. And, you know, thankfully we do it quite often. And that is a really good feeling for, for our staff and as a hitting coach is because we have the correct approach and he's executing everything that he wants to do and he can't beat us because guys are executing what they want to do because they know what he's going to do. He's trying to do it and he can't get us out. Well, I'll tell you what, you guys are doing a great job offensively, no question. Thank you for stopping by for the time. Good luck against the Twins. Good luck against the Mariners. Recharge for the All-Star break because it's going to be a sprint coming out of the second half. Sounds great. Look forward to it. You are the best. Thank you so much, Darren Bush, the hitting coach for your Oakland Athletics. We got more coming up right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast, A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, coming up here in just a little bit, we're going to have Captain Mike McCarron, retired captain of the U.S. Navy. Is he throwing out? He's one of the guys throwing out the first pitches today. That's correct. Now serves as the executive director of the USS Hornet Museum, where he directs the staff and oversees over 150 volunteers who provide restoration, maintenance, and provide tours of the museum. All right, so what do you got for me? So we got a pick for the Beat the Streak. for. The Have you figured out a way to give away my tickets? Uh, I thought we I figured we'd do something with uh, the Know the Show segment, and I was thinking about something that Matt Chapman said, and it was some, uh, I had to come up with what I want to come up with, so we got I got 20 minutes to figure it out. All right, all right. But I got, I got something for you with the streak. The guy has put in his pick for tonight. Does it pertain to our game? It does not. No. Pertains to a, te a team from the AL Central, though. Okay, so if you have no idea, if you're just tuning in and you have no idea, what the heck are my papers? That's part of the problem also about there's not a whole lot of problems with this set. It's just times when you're not in a regular studio. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So there's a guy out there by the name of Chris Walsh. He's Canadian, which it really doesn't matter. Uh, he's playing the Beat the Streak presented by MGM Grand Resorts. So each night you get to pick a player, and you need to beat Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. And you say, well, is that a big deal? Well, kind of because it's for $5.6 million. So if you can beat Joe DiMaggio and keep picking players every day and get your streak to 57, you've just won $5.6 million. And I wonder if you... Yeah, because you get paid out through Nevada, so that's no state taxes. That's a lot of money. The, the, Fed, the Fed will get you, but the state will not. Welcome to the Silver State, the great state of Nevada. So, on Sunday, he picked Mike Trout, who got a base hit against the Athletics to center field. Yesterday, 
Yelich, I know for sure, went Oppo Taco for a jack. I don't know if he had other hits in the game. That was his 30th home run of the year, by the way, first player to 30. Which was such the ball home run that should have been a fly ball to left field. It was a high and outside that he didn't get all of it, and it went right down the line and just went right over the fence. I'm like, dude, that should be left fielder should have that. So what do you got for today? All right, so he put his pick in, and it's pertaining to the AL Central. Cleveland Indians shortstop Francisco Lindor was his pick. Lindor currently and the door in the top of the second inning there in Kansas City. Lindor is 0 for 1. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the pressure for $5.6 million? No, the guy behind him is at 42 games. Is at 42. So, so you got he, two guys? Yeah, and that guy somehow, I guess you can pick multiple people because he picked. You can tonight, pick multiple people. The guy has Gene Segura and How Ryan How are we Braun. not in this? I, I guess well, if this streak ends, maybe we'll have to enter it. Oh, second half. Oh, yeah. How, he, many, how, many game, how many games are going to be left by the end? Uh, what's see, we're uh, like 70-something? 70, 70, I, I, I think we get involved. I think like 74-ish. Or we do it We do it through Alex Jensen, so if we get in trouble, we just blame him. It's a good idea. It's a smart veteran move. But he won with Braun and Segura tonight, and he had Chris Bryant yesterday. So, he, so either guy has to get the hit and you move on? Yeah, I don't get it because the guy that's number one, uh, the Canadian, is he only has Lindor picked. But then the second guy is at 42, has Braun and Segura. And then the guy in third has 34 straight. He hasn't picked his player yet, but yesterday he had Yelich and Austin Meadows. So I don't know the rules exactly, but I guess you can pick two players. Guess whose job it is to figure out those rules? By tomorrow. This is really hard to believe, but it's not. And you put down here about Mike Trout, since Mike Trout was a part of this streak. Mike Trout had a heck of a June and an OPS well over a thousand a batting average of 320 home runs right I mean he did everything Mike Trout ended the month of June with a career war of 69.5 what is he what's he 27 yeah 27 Mike Trout has a career war of 69.5 For his career, okay, for his entire career, look at the Hall of Famers he has just passed because of the month of June. Ryan Sandberg, Edgar Martinez, Carlton Fisk, Eddie Murray, Pudge Rodriguez, Tony Gwynn, and Tim Raines. That is really hard to believe. These guys are all-time great players. We're talking about first ballot Hall of Famers. And you're looking at Matt, Mike, Mike Trout, not even 28 year old, not even 28 years old, flying past these guys. It really is unbelievable. I do appreciate he's in our division, and I love watching him play. The good thing is Mike Trout's been terrible against the A's this year, so he really got everybody else in June. The The, the one team he didn't get in June was the A's, probably the only reason why his numbers were 320 and his OPS would have been whatever it would have been, well over 1,000. But it would have been even crazier if he had done well against the A's. He really struggled against the A's. 
But when you're passing Ryan Sandberg, Edgar Martinez, Carlton Fisk, Eddie Murray, Pudge Rodriguez, Tony Gwynn, and Tim Raines, oh my God. That is truly unbelievable, what he is doing in his career. And I guess as we are waiting for the captain to come over, just because I know you want, where is it on the script? Where's your guy? Where's your guy where I'm starting to, I'm starting to question? He's going to have more home runs in July than he's had ever in an entire season. Josh Bell hit three more dingers last night. And is he participating for sure in the uh, yeah, he's home in. run derby? He's in. He's probably, he should be the favorite. So Josh Bell last year had a career-high 26 home runs. Career-high. Uh, how many home runs does he have right now? Uh, 25. So he's going to eclipse. I have a feeling he's going to eclipse his career high before the All-Star break. That is correct. He also got a 78th RBI tonight. The Pirates are up 2-0. Uh, the guy is unbelievable right now. The 25 home runs, I, no one saw this coming. He's the first Pirates player to have three home runs in a game since Andrew McCutcheon 10 years ago. You want to play your – I know you want to play your – and what these the and, and by the way, watching them on the MLB on the MLB network, they were absolute bombs. And one was off Kimbrell too. And there's a line drive deep to right field. Ring your bell, Mr. All-Star. One week from tonight, he'll be in the home run derby. Little preview for you. How do you like? The 23rd home run of the year for number 55, Josh Bell. A fly ball to right field. Ring your bell again. Josh Bell has homered twice. The day after he was named to the All-Star game. And a home run derby participant, he's putting on a show for his home crowd. That's hammered to right center field. And it's gone! Three homers for the All-Star, Josh Bell. What a night. He's Pittsburgh's darling. Three homers, seven RBIs. Raise the Jolly Roger, as they like to say, after victories there for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, you've got three guys. When you start thinking about National League MVP, this race is going to be unreal. We already know the year that Bellinger's having, where he's hitting 346, 27 home runs, 67 RBIs, and a war of 6.6. You got Yelich hitting 336, 30 bombs, 66 RBIs. His war is 4.6. Josh Bell with another RBI tonight. He's got 25 dingers. I'll give him 78 RBIs and a 2.8 war. That really is unbelievable. The race that they're going to have in the National League is going to be fantastic. And we got a long way to go. The offense that's coming around, Captain Mike McCarron, retired captain of the U.S. Navy. What do you think about all this offense in Major League Baseball? It's, it's amazing. It's a lot of firepower, the Navy would say. So uh, they're going out like crazy. And, you know, I keep telling people, People, people like runs. People like home runs. They like touchdowns. They like three-pointers. They, they see like scoring. They're they pay to see someone score. And the more of it, people seem to like more of it. So tell us what we got going on tonight here. So tonight um, uh, we have uh, a couple things to celebrate. Uh, first off, it's 4th of July week, so we want a patriotic way. 
the USS Hornet, which is in the Coliseum's backyard there in Alameda. Um, we're getting ready for our 4th of July celebration. In three weeks, we have a 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing, and the Hornet is the ship that recovered the crew and capsule out in the middle of the Pacific uh, uh, 50 years ago on that July afternoon. And so we are having a big celebration and, and recognizing the Hornet and the veterans who served on her. And uh, so we've got a cockpit out in front of the stadium right now. If you want to go see what an F-8 Crusader looked like, you can get inside, get your photo taken. And we have another one going to show around the stadium here in a little bit, an F-111. Um, and uh, as I said, they're manned by the world's greatest docents that work for me at the Hornet. And just have a good time and uh, promote the Hornet and what we do for the community. I did not know that about the space mission. Right. Wow. Uh, we have on our hangar deck the footprints where Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Mike Collins descended the helicopter into the what was called the mobile quarantine facility because at that time they didn't know if they had germs or not back on the moon. <laughs> they put them in a big Airstream trailer, which we have a, a one of, and but their footprints are painted in, in uh, memory, not memory, but in honor of them. And you can walk in the same footprints those three men walked in as they came back from the moon. Yeah, we didn't see those in the movies. No, you don't. Uh, no, not really. But they 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 walked across, and our, the Navy crew went and painted where their footprints were. So, and they're they're memorialized forever now on the hangar deck. So the Hornet. Talk about the history of the Hornet. Sure. The Hornet was commissioned in 1943, in November of 1943. Just had our 70th anniversary last November. The amazing thing about the Hornet, it was built stem to stern in 14 months. Now, just imagine building a massive ship that size in its 14 months. It was the height of World War II. And one thing I always like to point out, it's a rosy ship. So your grandmas and great aunts and great grandmas were the ones who helped put that ship together. So 14 months after they laid the keel, they commissioned it in November of uh, 43. Went in the South Pacific and saw duty in every major battle in the South Pacific. Marianas, Turkey's Trench, uh, Leyte. If, if there was a major naval battle, the Hornet was involved. Came out uh, semi-retired, went in the yards in the 50s, got retrofitted for jet aircraft, then served duty during the Cold War and off the coast of Vietnam. Did two or three tours off of uh, what's called Yankee Station off the Gulf of Tonkin in Vietnam. It was getting, ready, getting ready to be retired in the late 60s, and they said, we have a couple more missions for you. And that was the Apollo missions. Pick up Apollo 11 and Apollo 12 about six months later. So the first two lunar missions, manned lunar missions, were recovered by the USS Hornet. It's so great that, that they were able to keep the ship, restore the ship, because we see so many of the great ships are gone. Right. This It was actually, I mean, inches from going to the scrapyard and being made into razor blades, as we in the Navy say. Um, but some people in the Bay Area said, this is a national state historic landmark. We have to save it. They were able to get some money together, create a foundation. They saved it. Uh, 20 years ago, last fall, they opened a museum, USS Hornet Sea, Air, and Space Museum. We have, I have about 200 volunteers who lovingly restore the ship to what it looked like 30, 40 years ago. You could, it's a definitely a, a time capsule. You step back in time, the ready rooms, the galleys, the bunk rooms, the torpedo room, the brig, the uh, medical facility where they did surgery and, and, and uh, sailors recovered from battle wounds all look like they did when the sailors left the ship when it was being decommissioned. And um, we have education programs, STEM training, science, technology, education, math, all age appropriate, everything from basic math and science to more advanced stuff for high school kids. And what I tell the high school kids when they get there, any kids when they get there, is you can read about history. You get to walk into history here. Many of our docents served in the ship, so you can talk to history as well. And it's a, it's a great connection with the youth and their greatest generation. Yeah, you get to touch it. You get you get to feel it. And, and you get to smell it. You can still smell the fuel <laughs> on the ship. And uh, anyone who's been on a Navy ship while they walk on it, yeah, that's a Navy ship. That and they nod. Yep, that's our 
Yeah, so. whenever you get that opportunity, I know they still have the aircraft carrier down in San Diego. Right, whenever midway. you, whenever you get to get, and I did that one time, it's just truly amazing because they still had the battle plans up right. from Desert Storm. It's like these ships have so much history in protecting us as Americans. Right. We have above our missions desk what's called our scoreboard, which is all the aircraft and ships that were taken out by the Hornet, and it's it's a remarkable record. The Hornet's one of those decorated ships in the history of the United States Navy. Um, there have been eight Hornets. This was the last one. And uh, it's just been a remarkable history all around. Talk about what you do for the museum sure. as the executive director, and what does that mean to you as a military man? Well, uh, first off, it is a great honor and a, a humbling privilege to, to have this position. Um, uh, what my job is is to make sure we're open and operating. Um, we are a nonprofit organization. We receive no money from the Navy or from any other government entity to operate. So... We're constantly looking for uh, sponsors and supporters. Uh, we have programs, we have private events. Um, if you want to have a party between 30 or 3,000, we can host it on the ship. Uh, that ship comfortably held 3,000 sailors, and we can easily hold a party of 3,000 if you want to do it on our ship. Um, so I'm constantly looking ways to raise money, to get our message out, and to make sure the programs are viable. And so whether it be an education program, overnight, we have kids every weekend spending the night on the ship, living in the bunks, and living in what it's like to be a sailor and what it was like 30, 40 years ago on board the ship. Um, we're getting geared up for that 50th anniversary, as I mentioned, with Apollo. So we have a week long of programs going on and uh, everything from Hornet Night at the Oakland Coliseum to we have a liverboard on Friday night where you can go up on the flight deck and look at the moon and the stars, a big gala on the 20th where many of the crew members who recovered Apollo 11 will be back for their reunion and, and be able to meet and greet the people and talk about their experiences on that important mission, certainly not the normal mission of an aircraft carrier, but they were trained for it, and they did it flawlessly to bring the, the crew and the capsule back to back to the United States after it landed in the Pacific. We can have a party on the boat? You can have a party on the boat. It's, uh, it's not a boat. It's a ship. A I'll ship, correct you. Ship, sorry. Ship. My community, I came out of a different community called the P3s that I'm off a field, and we always refer to it as a boat, and so that's a four-letter word in the Navy community. Um, I think we need to have an A's party out there. We're ready for you. If you want to have your Christmas party, end-of-season party, whatever, Certainly a World Series party you could do on this How ship. about a World Series? Can we do a World Series? We can do a World Series Can we book that now? Well, give me the date, and we'll book it in. It's uh, October. <laughs> <laughs> around, November, around November 1st, right? <laughs> it, it'll be, uh, yeah. It'll be, cl it, it'll be before yeah, November, yeah. Okay. We also have, annually, we have big events. Tomorrow, the day before 4th of July, we have 80 new citizens being sworn in tomorrow. Wow. Um, it's a remarkable ceremony. If you've ever been to a naturalization ceremony, you will not be unmoved. It is absolutely, the throat gets tight, the air, eyes well up. To see these people who have gone through such hardship become U.S. citizens, 80 of them will raise their right hand swear oath of allegiance to the United States tomorrow. Fourth of July is a big all day long party. We have a bunch of other events. Um, a Monsters Bash Halloween party at the end of October. Costumes galore, unbelievable. I'm the judge for the costume contest and it's the hardest job I've ever had in my life. I've umpired Little League Baseball for 40 years. Nothing compares to trying to judge this this uh, contest with the costumes. Uh, and then we have a great New Year's Eve party. About a thousand people show up, big band dancing. And at midnight, we go around the flight deck and watch the fireworks in the Bay Area to celebrate the new year. So there's a bunch of events going on throughout the year. Are you throwing out the first pitch tonight? I've been told I'm throwing out the first pitch tonight. How are you feeling? I'm a little nervous because literally it's only 46 <laughs> feet to the, from the umpire to the pitcher. So i got to get another 15 feet on my uh, toss there. Are you going to get up on top of the mound? You betcha.
You got nothing to lose. Got nothing to lose except my dignity. So no, that's <laughs> no, no, no. It'll be great. It'll be great. Well, you said you're a nonprofit, and we right. got a lot of people listening. How, how can they get a hold of you? How can they sure. help? We have a great website at uss-hornet.org, um, and they can go on and see all of our events. They want to buy tickets to any of the events coming up. Come and visit. We're open um, every day except New Year's and Christmas and Thanksgiving. So 362 days a year we're open. Um, if you want to do a school group, Go to our website again, uss-hornet.org. Look at our school programs. Look at our overnight programs. When I go out in the community, our overnight programs are phenomenal because the first thing people say, oh, my kid's fit the night in the Hornet. He hasn't stopped talking about it. Oh, yeah. Where else do you get an experience like that? It's not Disneyland. It's not Magic Mountain or anything like that. This is a real live U.S. warship that people get to see and feel. So um, we're looking for volunteers. We're looking for sponsors who want to sponsor a program. Um, I'm always... One of the great things about running a nonprofit, I'm always looking for money. Um, there's never enough. But there's a reason because this is a special thing, and it is people a special need thing. to be a part it's of a it. It's a historical landmark. It is an official national and state historical landmark. It is a living tribute to those who served, not just on the Hornet, but in the entire U.S. military. And we, um, a couple, about a month ago, the ROTC class at Cal, the Navy group, came over and did their commissioning on our ship, and we're honored to host them. So we do little things like that as well. Any type of, you can have a kid's birthday party in the chief's mess or the ward room, which is where the officers dine, and we'll have special nautical theme uh, for your kids. Just look at our website. We have everything you can imagine and then some. Yeah, I need to bring my kids out because it wasn't too Please long do. ago I, I, I took them to Pearl Harbor because they needed to be old enough yeah, and, and, and how moving that was and to, and to show my children and let them learn about what happened on that day, it's, it's, December 7th. You ha- and, and to hear about it and read it's nice, but when you see it, touch it, it's a whole different experience. It's more visceral. It brings it home, and it makes that lesson so much real and so much uh, important to the person. Because there's a lot of history, uh, unfortunately, our kids are not getting, and this is also a history lesson. It's a, it's a living history lesson. I'm married to history teachers, so we talk about this all the time. <laughs> um, and it's no lack, not for lack of trying, but there's so many other distractions yeah. uh, in life right now that uh, you know they have to do this, they have to do that, this is required, that's required, that you just don't get the history and the perspective, I guess is the best way to put it, in, in context of what it all means. Any way we can help, let us know. We'd love to have you come by, do a broadcast from our ship some night or something like that if you want to do that. How cool would that be? From the Hornet? Yep. Doing Ace Cast Live? Yeah. My goal right now is to get the deck lit up like it did when the aircraft were flying on it. So when a plane or a blimp is flying over the Coliseum, they might see us off off in the water and get a little free advertising. That's my next goal is to get that deck lit up. So it looks like you're coming in on your night mission after bombing in the South Pacific. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to make this happen. <laughs> if, if there's an invitation, I will bring my gear you and we will it. do anytime, a show. Anytime. Hey, thank you for my stopping pleasure. by. We truly appreciate it. My pleasure. And remember, let it go. Uh, that's my goal. Just let it go. <laughs> Just do it as hard as you can. You I, won't. Heard, I heard look at the backstop and throw hard. Yeah, throw as hard <laughs> as you can. You won't regret it. I won't. All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. Coming up next, it's All Night with Alex Jensen, A's All Night. And then I'll be back at 6.05 getting you ready for A's Baseball with A's Total Access. You will be hearing from the all-star Matt Chapman right here on A's Cast Live. We'll see you all tomorrow at 4 o'clock. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.